When things get really busy at work, when you feel like you've got 300 things to do, on one level, the last thing you want to do is put your trainers on and go for a run because it's going to take you out of doing what you need to do in work for an hour. But actually, the reverse is true in reality. That's a big, big thing for me when it comes to integrating running into being in business at the same time. Hello and welcome to Run The Business, the weekly podcast that explores the place where running and leadership come together. We'll find out what running can teach us about leading, managing people and generally being better in business. We also try to answer the question, do runners make better leaders? I'm Anthony Gay and today I'm joined by someone who wears many different business hats but at the heart of it she's an expert in finance and numbers. So good in fact she's known as the money magician. She's a CEO, a business mentor, a chartered accountant, numbers and self-confessed digital marketing geek who turns losses into profits through accounting and money coaching. And when she's not crunching the numbers or mentoring clients, she's either out in the Scottish mountains or holed up at home with her husband and two kids. Annette Ferguson, welcome to Run the Business. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Annette, how are you today? I am very well, thank you. I'm very well, Anthony. How are you? Good. I I, can't, I haven't been for a run yet today, but I did a, a sort of longish one yesterday. So yeah. I, but I'm feeling good. The sun's shining here. Very nice. I also have not run yet today, but I did run yesterday evening. So um, so I'm kind of okay for the next few hours. <laughs> well, you know that was my that was my first question. When did you last go running? So, so tell tell us a little bit about your sort of your your running habits and your and and when and where you go running. Yeah. So um, I am a member of a running club, which makes it sound much more grand than it actually is because actually it's quite a social running club so we meet on a Tuesday evening which was my last run um, last night so we did just a short run about five six k last night and I'm very uh, I'm very lucky where I live that I am in the Scottish borders so I am basically in amongst the hills so here we have the option to trail run road run get up into the mountains and do all sorts of fun things so I'm very very fortunate so I run with uh, the club at least once a week sometimes on a Saturday as well and then I go through phases to be honest so sometimes I'm running five or six times a week and other times I'm running two or three or four times a week so it kind of depends a little bit on um on the season to be honest because it's a lot easier for me to run in the summer when we have the much lighter nights and lighter mornings and it just makes it a lot easier with I can put the kids to bed and then run for example um and it makes me not feel so guilty about going out so uh so yeah I have that sort of balance where actually you know it depends it depends a little bit on what's happening with family life etc as to how frequently I get out. And when did you first consider yourself a runner? When did it all start? Oh, that's a good question. So I never, ever ran at school or anything like that. I didn't actually start running until I met my now husband. And um, he was a runner and he sort of persuaded me to start running in a very odd sort of way really because um he announced to me um in it must have been early summer 2005 
he said to me, I'm going to run the uh, Berlin Marathon in uh, the September or October. Do you fancy okay. it? And I went, yeah, sure. As you do in an early relationship, um, you know, you kind of go along with things and think, oh, this will be fun. And I hadn't really appreciated yep. <laughs> what it might be like to run 26.2 miles. So I agreed to sign up for this marathon where I had never actually really run before at all. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit crazy. Um, so... From three months of saying, yeah, sure, why not? I was on the starting line at the Berlin Marathon. And wow. I was woefully underprepared <laughs> because up to that point, my previous long run had been 16 miles. Um, so I had a very low point uh, when I was overtaken by a person dressed as a pizza at about 10 miles. Um, and it didn't get much better after that, to be honest, because I hit the wall at about 16 or 17 miles. And I was going to ask you, when, when did the wall kick in and, and, and how did that feel? Pretty early, pretty early. It was horrendous. Um, and so I kind of half ran, mainly walked and a lot of hobbling for the final 10 miles of this first marathon. And I remember crossing the finish line and thinking, I want to cry, but I'm actually too exhausted to actually cry. Um, so, but for some strange reason, it got me hooked and, uh, and I've kept running ever since. And did you have that, like many of us do, when you kind of finished, particularly that that experience that you've just described, never again? Oh, did, yes. Did that, yeah, you had that. Yes. Um, I mean, um, I wanted to throw my trainers in the bin. I was yep. like, I'm never running again. This is awful. This is the worst thing I've ever done in my life. Why would anyone want to do this? But then, of course, as you probably know, two weeks go by and you think, hmm, you know what? Maybe I could, maybe I could, maybe I've got another one. Maybe if yeah. I just train more the next time, it'll be a lot better and uh, and it'll be okay. Now, it obviously was okay. It was. And you did, and you did bring it back at some point, uh, which, you know, we're going to talk more about in this, in this podcast. Firstly, I want to understand a little bit more about what you do so we can kind of mm. put the conversation into context. What, what does, a question, what does financial and lifestyle freedom Mm. mean for the people you work with in business because this is this is kind of one of the things that you you strive for and you help people with tell us you know tell us a little bit about what that means yeah absolutely so financial and lifestyle freedom i think that you know most people set up in business because they want the freedom of running a business. And so that definition varies from person to person, but typically they want their business to earn enough money to afford them the freedom to live the life they want to live, whatever that might look like. And for mm -hmm. some people, the life they want to live might be that they love working and they want to work 60 hour weeks. But for other people, it's going to be the complete opposite. They want to take holidays off to be with their kids during, you know, out of term time. They want to be able to do pick up and drop off and go to the school plays and all mm -hmm. these kinds of things and there's a there's a span in between as well and so for me financial and lifestyle freedom is linking together your business and your life so that you can live your your whole life as a runner because your business and your life are completely interlinked there's no separation really there when you're running a business mm -hmm. and it's so you can link the two together and and have the life that you you want and has that become more important in the last few years you know with covid and and people's lives and business sort of merging so much have, have you found that you know this 
this vision that you have has, has changed in that time? I think so. And I think for a lot of business owners, their visions have, have moved a lot too, because as you say, people have been at home a lot more. People have been able to experience more of their family life, perhaps, than they ever have before. Now, for some people, that's not necessarily a good thing. Yep. But for many people, they've realized, actually, there is perhaps more to my life than the 60-hour week and striving purely for the financial gain and actually wanting to weave more into it the the other stuff the stuff that makes us a ultimately a more happy and more rounded person mm, mm, makes total sense um i, I want to talk sort of picking something specific up from what you do the, the field you work in mm. um data and yes. and numbers and it's yes. it's really important um and actually thinking of running data mm. in the last 10 years has become uh, and, and more probably but you know specifically with uh, you know watches and yes. timing and all that kind of stuff it's just got way more you know important where people are looking for that that analysis and that little edge um, so when you go out running do you approach it like your work where, where those numbers are really important or for you is it a space to to turn off and be a bit looser and, and a bit more fluid um, it's a bit of both, to be honest. So if I have booked in a few races and things like that, then I am more, much more aware of the data. I always run with a running watch um, and I always look at the data afterwards because yep. that's how my brain works. But also, you know, part of it for me definitely is the escapism, the just getting away from a screen, getting away and and having that sort of clear head time. So there's definitely a balance between the two for me. Um, and as I say, if I've got some races in the diary, then I'm, I'm more likely to be more focused on the data than if I don't. And, and with that data, do you think there's a point where people uh, I mean, in business and in, in running, get get too granular and and you know, yes. and how do you how do you deal with that or how do you help people sort of see where there's a, a line where you know if you if you go deeper than that, it's just it's a waste of your time. Well, I think in business you have typically two extremes of people. You have the people that are very data analytics driven, and then you have the sort of creative people who tend not to be at all. Mm. And actually it is about a happy medium between the two, because yes, you need to understand the data, but you, I, you know, I say to people, you know, trust your gut, but understand the data. Mm-hmm. Because I think both are super relevant in running and in business. So, you know, in business, yes, you need to understand the information, the data, the finances, because they will, it will tell you things. Mm. It will typically tell you where you need to focus. But if you spend your entire time studying data and not implementing the learning, then it's completely pointless as well. Makes sense. And is there a, do you have an example of that in maybe from from your, um, you know, accountancy and, and the mm. business side of things where, you know, you know, in a particular field where um, you draw that line of, you know, beyond this amount of data is is, is too much? I mean, I, does that make sense? Is, it does make sense. I think you know, I think it does vary from business to business. So it, it does entirely depend on on what your business is doing. But I think, you know, if, if you have in business, if you have an idea of things like your 
average customer spend, the lifetime value of a customer, if you have an idea of your conversion rates, um, you know, where your clients and customers are coming from, those types of information, they're really useful. Mm -hmm. But I think that when you start to get into, you know, two people did this, therefore we need to start changing entirely what we do, that starts to become destructive because you're relying on tiny bits of information to make big decisions. So in running, it's kind of, I suppose, trying to draw that parallel. If you go Mm. out and have, you know, a, a, a... bad morning a bad yeah, day you, yeah, you, exactly. you can't you can't you say oh it's it's over i'm never gonna, you know, I'm gonna yes you, you just have to find the overall trend and and the the pattern absolutely yeah yeah, exactly, exactly. And it, and so that's where the similarity comes in, is looking at trends, pattern, sort of higher level data than the into the nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when you look at your running watch and you go, oh, I did that mile two days ago at this heart rate and today I'm three beats faster. Yeah. That's not really going to tell you anything over the long term. And there is such a margin of error, which you know people look at watches and, and stuff sometimes and go, that is it. And yeah. actually, I mean, I, I I did a run yesterday. I was in I was in London running, and and I look mm. back at the data, and it, it looked like I'd run a, through the middle of the lake. Uh, <laughs> oh, on, on I love map. when it does and that. It's kind of like, yeah. well, no, I didn't actually do that route. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's finding. I hear what you're saying. Finding those trends and yeah. those patterns rather than getting too hooked hooked up on and hung up on on individual bits. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so this this podcast is all about how running might help people in business and leadership. Mm. Um, how does running help you be better in work? It, from a general point of view, first, are, are there examples where you know running as you know what it does for you, and how maybe those lessons have been uh, transferred into your work? Yeah, I think one big thing that running massively helps with for me is that sort of feeling of overwhelm. Um, You know, when Mm -hmm. things get really busy at work, when you feel like you've got 300 things to do, actually, you know, on one level, the last thing you want to do is put your trainers on and go for a run because it's going to take you out of doing what you need to do in work for an hour. But actually... Uh, the reverse is true in reality and if I do put my trainers on and go out and I you know run in the hills I barely see another human being which is an incredible benefit of where I live Mm -hmm. and I come back an hour later and I'm usually significantly more productive than I would have been if I'd been sitting at my desk kind of stuck with my head in that in that feeling of overwhelm in that feeling of too much to do in that feeling of will I get it all done so I think overarchingly that's a, a big big thing for me when it comes to integrating running into being in business at the same time. Makes sense because I mean what you do there's very little margin of error with numbers is Mm. it so you know do you ever suffer from that um, sort of you know number blindness and and where you know that time away from the detail uh, and I, I guess this is what you're describing with the running it gives mm. you that uh, that space just to, 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 to refresh. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, I spend all my work day sitting at a computer. I don't get much movement mm. in the day other than to make a cup of tea or go to the toilet. So, you know, when I get out running, it does just kind of free everything, really. Mm-hmm. Do you, I mean, you mentioned this at the start, your running club uh, that you're mm. part of. Do you run mainly on your own or in groups? And do you see benefits to, to both that you could talk yeah. about? 
Yeah, I do mainly run on my own for the most part. Um, I'm actually quite an introverted person. So I prefer to run on my own mostly because I'm more re- I get more recharged that way. Mm. Um, saying that, I do, as I say, run once or twice a week with other people as part of the running club. And that's really nice just to hang out with people who enjoy the same thing that you do. Basically, it's mainly women that I mm. run with. And um, yeah, it's just nice to to have that social interaction as well. I think, you know, as part of running my business, although I speak to clients and things a lot, I'm not, that's not social. So it's nice to have a social thing that's integrated with um, something that I enjoy at the same time. You mentioned your clients and I know, I know you do, mm. you know, mentoring uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Do you ever recommend running or, or just general health and fitness to, to people that you work with? Or is, is that kind of not part of the, the, the space that you're in? I certainly recommend at a minimum getting outside Mm -hmm. and being outside. I don't necessarily specifically say you should go for a run, but, um, but I do say to people like, why don't you get outside, you know, go for a walk, get some air. Um, Because I think that's incredibly important. And I think, like I said, I know those days where I feel like I'm stuck and I've got loads to do that it is naturally the last thing you think of, but actually it's often the best thing. And is there a time where you haven't been able to run for a while and you've noticed the impact on on your work or just general, you know, on your life? Yeah, I think I definitely notice the impact on just my kind of, I guess my mental health overall when I don't run. So a few Mm. weeks ago, I had a really horrible, heavy head cold. So I didn't run for about a week and a half with that. And actually... I almost feel jittery by it, um, if that makes sense. It is, it was, it's a kind of frustrating yeah. feeling that I just felt yuck and I didn't want to go out and all those kinds of things. So yeah, it does definitely affect me. It makes me a grumpier person when I don't go out for a run. And just switching back to the, the you know, the, the impact of, of your running on, on business. Mm. Is there a, is there a specific story, a time that you kind of remember a problem maybe that you were grappling with, something Mm. that you were working on and a run helped you work through it or resolve it or, you know, something maybe that you could, you could share. Well, I have this really interesting thing when I run where actually I often just kind of clear my brain, if that makes sense. So I know that when my husband goes for a run, he thinks over things and he Mm -hmm. solves things when he runs in his head. But I can run and I can be running for two hours and not think about anything. Mm -hmm. It almost becomes meditative for me. So I don't necessarily go out for a run with a like something I can't work out and I'm like, I'm going to go for a run. I'll I'll figure it out while I'm out there. It's actually almost the opposite for me where I'm like, I'm not going to think about it at all because my brain will naturally when I'm running just kind of go into this sort of non-thinking state but then it will happen that when I come back to my desk I'll be like oh that thing wasn't so difficult hang on I've got it Mm -hmm. so it's in it's, it's kind of an interesting thing where I'm not going out to to solve a problem but I have seen when I come back the problem doesn't seem nearly as big as it did before I went out that's fascinating, isn't yeah. it? How, uh, and I, I know exactly what you mean. That that, and maybe it's something to do with the uh, the endorphins that yes, you get, possibly. and that yeah, that kind of just lifts you to a different place where you you get that different perspective. It's uh, it can really make a difference. Yeah. 
goals are are really important in both business and uh, and and in running. Mm. How do you approach goal setting in in, in your life in general, uh, but also specifically in you know your work and, mm-hmm. and also in running? Do, you know, do you still set running goals? Yeah, I do, I do still set running goals and I do set business goals. So I I am I am relatively goal driven. So I will um you know in business I have um profit and revenue goals. We have goals and targets on, you know, the number of leads that come into the business and that is tracked every month and I review that every month. Um in running my running goals are probably a bit more fluid. So I have a sort of you know, goal about how many kilometers I want to run each year. So I usually set that at the beginning of the year. I think, okay, this year I want to roughly aim for this number of kilometers. Um, And then if I'm doing a race, then I'll have a a target of where I want to finish kind of based on the training I've been doing. And with, um, you know, the time that you run and how you schedule Mm -hmm. your work, um, there's definitely something around choosing the time of day that suits you to to be in a particular state to to either you know work on something or engage people or so what what does your day look like on that front when are you you know when do you prefer to run and when are you more sort of ready to to really get into detailed projects How, how does how does a day's structure look for you yeah, so for me, um, typically my day looks like uh, getting the kids up. We're kind of getting ready for school as a as a household. Um, and as they're getting ready for school, I get ready for work. And so I usually work at a sort of standard-ish nine to five at my desk. Um, and then often I will run as soon as I get home. My office is a very, very short walk from the house. So I'm usually home by about five past five, 10 past five. Yeah. And I will often go for a run at that point. I like it because I feel like it's a great way to almost transition from being at work to being at home, almost kind of move from that sort of CEO head to the mum head, the mum and wife head. And so for me, it's a really nice time for me to sort of move between the two. Mm -hmm. It also feels like as well, if I've had any frustrations in my day, I can get those out before I come into the family, um, the family as well. And then we usually eat dinner quite early. We all eat together um, as a family. My kids are only five and seven. So we all eat together relatively early. So when I come back, from my run then usually my husband will lift my dinner at that point and then we'll eat as a family once I get back and then we'll do the kids bedtime and he will often run at that point so that's that's an interesting because I know for some people it's the other way around isn't it where Mm, you know morning is and probably for me actually I'm sort of getting up early and going out for that run but it's interesting to hear different people's perspective on that structure uh you know that works for them in the day and it just shows it's different for everybody yeah absolutely and I have gone through bouts where I've run first thing in the morning um I just found it was a little bit too much with getting the kids organized and stuff as well so it just Mm -hmm. was a bit much for me generally and it just it just added a stressor in the morning that we didn't need Mm -hmm. Can I talk for a second about feedback? Of course. Because these days um, it's really easy um, and sometimes we get feedback that you know we, we didn't expect or didn't even want, mm. but, but to give companies or individuals feedback, either mm-hmm. you know data from our watchers or you know emails that come in or comments, that kind of stuff, you know it, it's important to to work out when the feedback comes in, what, what you're going to take on yes. board, what, what is worthwhile feedback to use and what you need to sort of put to the sides and, and not get too hung up on. Mm-hmm. 
firstly, from a business point of view, how important is is feedback to you and, and your company and you as an individual? And, and how do you handle that that feedback? And second part of the question is, is, is there any you know parallel to, to running uh, and the feedback that you get from your body when, when you're out running? Yeah, I think feedback in business is incredibly important because often as business owners, we can get kind of stuck in our businesses and we, we sometimes struggle to see things from perhaps our client's perspective or our prospect's perspective. And there's just blind spots that we all have naturally as individuals. So I think feedback is incredibly important in business. I think it's all always important when you get feedback to assess the who it's come from and why they're feeding it back um, you know is the reason that you're getting the feedback is that coming from a sort of positive place or is the person that's feeding back in perhaps not the right headspace and therefore is just taking perhaps other frustrations of the day out on you and just understanding that from that perspective but I think that all feedback is important to at least listen to even if it's from somebody who's not in a very good place because there could be elements of truth to what they're saying regardless so I think it's really important but also I feel that if you get you know, if you have 200 clients and you get one negative feedback from one individual, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. It doesn't mean that actually everything is horrendous and everything is awful. You know, understanding why that feedback has been given and there might be some positive things you can take away and implement, but it might also not be necessary if you've got such a small number of people out of your total giving you some some type of feedback that mm-hmm. you know that might it just might not be worth integrating um so i think you know like we were saying before it's actually about looking at, at trends really and overall what the overall picture is and sometimes getting stuck in the weeds of of a piece of negative feedback might not be the most useful thing but actually sometimes it might be so it's just it's one of those things where you have to kind of assess um i think when it comes to running the feedback that you get um, from your body should always be listened to. Um, but again, you need to make sure that you're not putting your own taint on that feedback, as it were, and making sure that, um, you know, that you're not giving, not, not misinterpreting the feedback to give yourself excuses, I think is probably how I'd word that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fascinating to, mm. to kind of yeah to, to to work that out, and I think it's it's an ongoing challenge, isn't it, it for is. all of us? Yeah, 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 definitely. You mentioned the wonderful terrain that you you have mm. around you, um, which is you know m- must make it you know brilliant to, to to go out and run. It's beautiful. Yeah. Can you thinking about you know your your life of running? Uh, can you tell us a run that sticks out in your mind uh, anywhere mm. in the world? Uh, something a, a special occasion that that running will always you know you'll always have that memory of, of a particular run and can you tell us a little bit a bit about that run and how you felt I guess I've got two I've got my favorite race that I've ever done um and that was the Amsterdam marathon I loved that run for a few reasons really so firstly I felt like I was going into it quite strongly I had it was after having done Berlin and then I did London after that and I trained very I trained a lot for London and I felt Mm -hmm. quite strong going into London but um 
the day that I ran it, it was 27 degrees and this oh. Scottish body does not cope yeah. particularly well with heat. So I didn't get, uh, I didn't get the time that I wanted in London. And so um, Amsterdam was only about six months afterwards. So I kind of kept up my training for that. And I went into Amsterdam feeling really strong. And the Amsterdam course is very flat, as you might imagine with Amsterdam, yep. um, which I, you know, I loved from a racing perspective. And I remember very, very clearly, uh, this is a long time ago I did Amsterdam now. I think I did it in 2007 or eight. So it's a long time ago. But um, I, I still very, very clearly in my mind, remember we ran, you ran out of the city and you ran along this canal and it was really very beautiful. Um, and then there was this big windmill and then there was the halfway point. And I crossed the halfway point faster than I needed to to get my target time so that's a really incredible memory that I have of just that feeling of feeling strong feeling on target you know being on this lovely kind of out out of the city route and um and I really really enjoyed that and I and I came in um I wanted to do that in four third four and a half yeah. four and I did it in 427 Fantastic. so I was very very pleased with my time there the other one that really sticks out for me is um here we have where I live there is this um beautiful route um that everyone calls it they call it the Cademure loop and it's basically from the town you basically go out on country roads you loop around the bottom of this hill in the countryside in the middle of nowhere um you you know have to cross a couple of cattle grids it's really very very scenic very beautiful slightly undulating um uh, incredible views and that's a route a long route that I do very often it's about 15k yeah. um, I've been doing it for years and it is probably one of my favorite runs and as I say anyone who runs or even cycles locally knows that route yet it is also very quiet <laughs> all the time it's on roads but there's really no cars go up that way unless there's you know there's the odd house up there but other than that it's really very very quiet on the road and um you'll see the odd yep. other cyclist and runner but you'll also see there's also an owl that lives up that way that you see quite often there is you know there's all this kind of beautiful wildlife um, and incredible scenery so it's lovely oh thank you for painting such <laughs> wonderful pictures there uh one thing I wanted oh. to, to pick up on, you mentioned the heat in, I think it was Prague. Mm. Um, London. Uh, sorry, London. Yeah. Um, and I, I think there's a, a and I, I hope I'm not overreaching here, but there's a parallel between, uh, let's call them market conditions, um, yes. a, a, and how sometimes you just can't fight, you know, what's going on. And you have to, yeah. you know, whether it's cut your losses or, or change your plan because of those conditions. Uh, and it just struck me that that was a great heat is a great example of of when you're mm. out on a run. It is you know if you have a time in mind and it suddenly gets really really hot, you will not be able to do that, and yeah. you just have to adjust, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. So that London, I was I was really struggling with the heat. I I to be honest, I knew at the very start it was going to be a problem because even at eight a.m. I was hot wearing my shorts and t-shirt before we'd even begun the race. So it was one of those where you're like, uh oh, this isn't gonna go so well. Mm. And I was about, I think I was about 20 minutes slower than I'd wanted to be. So uh, probably a minute a mile um, slower than I'd wanted to be. 
it was really difficult actually but like you say you do need to just kind of come to terms with it and you know on in a business setting of course we've seen that for many many businesses over the covid period that actually you know what they had planned for 2020 when they went into it wasn't was not going to materialize it wasn't going to be the version of the financial plan or marketing plan or anything that they had initially set out and so you have to adjust your expectations potentially change what you're doing you know in a race you can't change your route but you know if you're out for a run you can you know and just readjust to what the current situation is so yeah we we see that in business very often um and yeah you can you can see that in running sometimes in races and sometimes even when you're just uh, you know out on your own as well because we can be as 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 humans we can be so set in our ways can't we and so pig-headed yes. uh, if uh, about nope this is what i'm doing this is uh, and in both business and running uh, people just head down crack on yeah. Uh, and uh, people come a cropper. And I think we can be really hard on ourselves too. We can beat ourselves up for that. But actually, there's really no point in doing that. You know, there's I couldn't have controlled the heat that day. Um, and I couldn't really have even trained for the heat because... I'm training in Scotland. So, you know, it's very difficult to replicate what happens. And in the same way in business with COVID, people really, I mean, we didn't see that coming. There wasn't a way to to have a contingency plan ahead of times for businesses suddenly having to close their doors. Absolutely. Uh, and I suppose one of, you know, it's how you, how quickly you acknowledge that and mm-hmm. have that second plan or you know that alternate way yeah because at the same time some people um you know did ex- some businesses did extremely well and and they did yes hugely so and managed to you know pivot in a direction that you know they probably weren't thinking of at the beginning of 2020 yeah 100 percent. and that's you know that's in the same way that you know if you're out for a run and it is 27 degrees do you can you find a track that's in the shade can you run through mm. the forest so you're shaded by the trees or do you decide to go a bit shorter that day makes sense um so uh we're coming to the end but a, a few sort of questions that i just want to sort of finish up with running aside can you name a, a business tool an app a person or a thing that you couldn't do without oh gosh there's there's probably quite a lot um i think you know being an accountant of course i'm going to say something like zero for bookkeeping um you know financial transactions is so important that people understand what's happening with their profit and loss account with their balance sheet and understand the finances of their business but also as another one we use uh, slack internally for internal communications and i don't know where we would be without that either so i'm going to i'm going to throw in two there <laughs> We use Slack as well, and it's I I wouldn't know what to do without Slack. No, uh, these days because it is in terms of that instant communication and that sense of community amongst amongst our team. It's it makes yeah. such a difference. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you had if I had to do everything in Slack, if I, if I took everything out of Slack and I had to do it via internal email instead, it would be awful. Mm, I, I I agree on that one. And <laughs> business aside. What's your favorite uh, bit of, of running kit or accessory that you, you can't do without? Oh, I think that has to be my watch. I'm a polar. I'm not a Garmin person. I'm a polar person. I have a polar Vantage M and I I think that's just my standard attachment to myself yep. when I'm running. Do you wear it like 
in, no, in, in normal life in as normal well. yeah. I do wear yeah. it in normal I do most of the time wear it in normal because I like looking at the data right so that's why yeah we sound like superheroes don't we yes. in normal life do you still Without wear your, your watch on. yeah exactly yeah and final question what advice would you give to anybody in business or in a leadership role considering getting more active and and specifically taking up running? I would say, first of all, that you never feel worse after you've been out for a run. Things are always better and the hardest part is putting your trainers on. But I think, you know, I think it comes back to um, if you're running a business, you need some time to clear your head. You need some time outside as well. You know, all of it only does better things in your business, even if you feel like you cannot possibly spend 30 minutes or an hour with your trainers on. It, you know, there's lots of studies that show that actually it massively improves your productivity, your efficiency, and all those things when you come back. So that's what I think I would say. Annette, thank you so much for your time and thank you for being part of Run the Business. Thank you so much for having me on. I've thoroughly enjoyed this discussion. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you again to Annette Ferguson for being today's guest on Run the Business. So three things I'm taking away from that conversation. Firstly, the importance of looking for trends and patterns in data rather than looking at things in isolation. It's really easy, isn't it, to get lost in the weeds of over-analysis and miss the big picture. You have to get the balance right. Know what key metrics are important to you and don't have too many, otherwise they won't mean anything. She talked about running as a separator between different parts of her life and I think that space that running gives you comes through a lot in these conversations. It it helps you transition between uh, different things that you do in your life. And the final point I think was a really strong one, the idea of market conditions, uh, the weather when we go running. Much of this stuff we can't control, but it's how we react to them that makes the difference and is the difference between success or failure. I mean, there's that phrase, there's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothing, which I think can apply to business as much as it can to running. You've got to be comfortable changing plans if you need to. Have a plan B, have a plan C in the back pocket and know when it's time to bring them out. Uh, I'll finish today with a quote. This one's from Matthew McConaughey. Uh, It's no fun to sit down and talk about what exercise has to do with life. Go drip that sweat. Run until we're fatigued to where the mind can't ponder the past or the future. Well, then you've got something. It's fun to feel healthy and it's fun to feel good. I like that one. Run the Business is a real two media production with thanks to Chris Kelly and Anna Harding for making it all possible. I'm Anthony Gay and until next time, keep running and keep chasing your goals. Mm-hmm.